Welcome to a special abbreviated March Madness version of Canel and Bell. Or for today's purposes, Raja and Rip. Danny's out living the life in Vegas for the tourney. So Rip Hamilton joined me in the studio to talk about the tournament. Rip hit a famous buzzer beater in the Sweet 16 in 1998 and won a title with UConn in 99. So it was great to have his insight before tip-off. This podcast includes both analysis of this year's big dance and memories of old ones. Danny and I will be back on Monday with a full show recapping the first weekend of the tourney. Enjoy. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and 10. Half to keep tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 10 for 22 to Raja. It's the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. I want to start the show by asking you or start our segment by asking you, as a player with three hours to go on the clock and you know you're suiting up in one of those first NCAA games, is there a different feeling than the regular season game? Are you acutely aware that the stage is bigger than what you were performing on during the regular season in college? Well, I think the big thing is 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 try to do the same things you've been doing all regular season. I think that's most important. I think you got to stay in your routine. You can't kind of get out of your routine because, you know, as playing on a big stage, playing in professional basketball, you kind of got to have an even kill. You don't want to go out there and try to do something that you're not accustomed to doing that doing. But I can tell you this, as a sophomore, as a 19-year-old kid, yeah, the stage is big. Right. It's huge. Right. It's hard right. to, to get men- mentally stable, get mentally ready, you know, just on the fact that, A, you want to get to the national championship. You want to make sure you go out there and perform on the big stage. But by the time you get to your junior and senior year, you get an opportunity to kind of, like, settle down a little bit, really listen to the coach. Uh, hopefully you got a few seniors right, right, right. <laughs> on the team to kind of settle you down. So I, I'm always curious, like when you got a young group of guys, especially like freshmen, right? What is their like mindset, especially when you're looking at Duke and they got like the top three guys out there. For them, it has to be a little bit more pressure than me when my junior, because I didn't go my freshman year. I went my sophomore junior year. Right. So, uh, so I haven't seen your bracket. So I, I'm not, I'm not cherry picking the question here. I'm genuinely interested in when you're filling yours out, do you put stock? Because there are a lot of these teams now with, with the, you know, the one and done and, and the kind of super teams at Duke and the Kentuckys of the world that are, are loaded in terms of talent. And some of them are favorites, uh, in a lot of people's bracket to maybe win an NCAA championship. You just talked about experience. Yeah. Uh, and how that can factor into a star player, um, really acclimating and learning, uh, from the past. So when you're filling your bracket out, do you lean on the side of youth? And all this star power, or do you go with a, a veteran-laden team that can make a tournament run? You, you know, I'm going with veterans. Right. I mean, like, if you look at the college game and you look at the NBA game, right? veterans win championships. Young guys, they look good. They go out there, have fun. It might be a, li- a little bit more from the naked eye standpoint. When you're looking at the game, it might be a little bit more exciting. But veterans win, you know, and – when I'm looking at, when I'm filling out my bracket, especially this year, especially in the last couple of years, the freshman has been taking over the draft. Right. The freshman's been taking over college basketball. When you watch TV now, the first p- person you see on 99% of the time is Zion Williams, Cam Reddish, and RJ Barrett. Right. So we're talking about the freshman as much as possible and Young kids that's filling out a bracket and myself, sometimes I get caught on that, on that train. Right. Cause I'm like, Oh, who am I going to have win the national championship? Zion. Sure. Not, not Duke, but <laughs> Zion. Zion like, himself. Like Correct. Himself because right. I see him so much on TV, but I kind of try to stay away from the young, young teams, but it's hard to when you got three of the best freshmen 
you know, in the country. And then you got the kid from Murray State, uh, John Morant. Yes. And he's out there playing at a com- incredible high level. And these guys understand that, hey, the NCAA tournament is their stage. Sure. Absolutely. That's their, this is their opportunity to either put a stamp on their, their, their NBA lottery status, yeah. uh, or, or move up that board. And I, I kind of agree with you when I'm talking about, you know, what type of teams I look to win the championship. I love the freshmen and I realize that they're one and done lottery picks for a reason. There, there's an ability, uh, and a level of play, uh, b- both athletically and, and, and probably mentally, uh, that some of the veterans can't maybe live up to. Yeah. But I'm looking for that team that has those veterans, that good mix of youth, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, vets to kind of be able to navigate their way through the ups and downs of a, of an NCAA tournament. And you touched on some of these young kids. So let's talk about some players to watch, some guys that you're going to be yeah. uh, tuning in to see. Uh, um, this postseason, um, start with start with your favorite. You touch on the top one, Zion Williamson. What do you, what do you think? What do you think, if anything, he can do or he needs to do in this NCAA tournament uh, for anybody in the NBA that has doubts about him? He doesn't do. He has. He doesn't need to. Do. It's all done. Oh, it's done. It's been done since his senior year in high Correct. school. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at his Instagram followers and his following from everybody in the world, like I. I had this question I asked somebody. I said, "Is and you can answer it too. Is Zion more popular than ninety five percent of the NBA players?" Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Just to even like think of that, knowing that we both played at both levels and how hard it was to get to the NBA and then make a name for ourselves. Now you now he's the most popular player. You know what I'm saying? It could be more popular than 95% or maybe 98 Do you remember another college basketball player in your lifetime who had this type of buzz? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, Kobe Bryant had a big buzz coming out. Felipe Lopez coming from sure. New York City. Yeah, on the front. He was a cover sports illustrator yes, and all that, right? One player in the country. Only person I can see is maybe Shea Cotton. Remember when Shea yeah. was like in seventh, eighth grade when they were, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in eighth grade. Right. Everybody was talking about him being the next big guy, but not really. Not, I can never say Shea Cotton or Kobe Bryant or Felipe Lopez was more popular than exactly. 95% of the NBA. Indeed. All right. So we talked with Zion's a lock. Let's get to one of his teammates, RJ Barrett, who coming into the season, you know, most people regarded him as probably the better prospect. Yeah. Um, you know, he's had a great season uh, at, at Duke. He just happens to be playing with Zion. Um, what, what are your thoughts about him in terms of his approach to the tournament when you're playing with a shining star like Zion? Yes. But you yourself are a really, really good player trying to solidify your draft status. Well, like like we talked about, he's been a number one player since high school. So for him coming into it, if you looked at his approach in, let's say, the McDonald's All-American game, mm-hmm. he came out being aggressive and he told you at halftime, hey, I'm coming to be MVP. Right. Let it be known. Let it be known. And you, and you know, usually kids playing on that stage is very humble. Like, all right, you know what? I'm just here enjoying my teammates, having fun with the guys, being, you know, great opportunity playing at the McDonald's All-American. I played there before. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I get it. I understand it. And everybody tries to stay on the same level. Him, he was like, nah. I'm coming out to get MVP. Right, right. right. I, alpha. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm alpha dog. I'm coming out of here and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So on this stage, it ain't no different. He's going to come out and he's going to be super aggressive. You know, he's going to score that ball just like he's been doing all season long. He's a lock for either number two or number three. Okay. Pick. Cause I was going to get, I was going to get back. <laughs> the next guy on my list is John Morant. Okay. Um, Murray State, big physical, um, 
athletic guard, and he pairs that with a real ability to pass the ball. When you're averaging ten assists in the college game, that means you you can you can pass the ball, right? Um, and so you know, a lot of people are RJ's number two, but there are a lot of people talking about Ja might be number two, RJ number three. What do you like about Ja Morant, and and what what does he do that's going to definitely translate to an NBA game? Well, I think his 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 athletic ability. I mean, he's a freak of nature. He's he got some tools that I wish I had. Sure. I wish I could jump over the rim and, you know, put my elbow in it and also be, you know, super dynamic, especially in transition. And like you say, the thing about it that people don't talk about is how great of a passer he was. You just talk about it scoring the building average of 24 points. But nobody talks about how great of a passer he is. And I think this first matchup against Marquette is going to be really big. And, like, Murray State is like one of my Cinderella teams. Sure. Because I just believe that in the NCAA tournament, it's all about guard play. Like, like when I was at Connecticut, we had great guard play with Khaled Elamine and Ricky Moore. I was kind of like the small forward, but right. we, <laughs> we had great guard play right. on that team. So when you, in the NCAA tournament, especially when we talked about the pressure and, and, and talking about A trying to score the ball and leading the team, your guards need to be great. And he is that. And I believe that, you know, they had to play to get in the tournament. They had to mm-hmm, win their conference mm-hmm. tournament. Keep which, you sharp. Which they did. Mm-hmm. Still came out aggressive. So this is their time. This is his stage. Because a lot of people in the country haven't seen him play. So this is going to be the opportunity for him to do it. He's another one like RJ where he's not he's not coming in yeah. to, to let somebody else shine. Not like a, he's got that killer mentality. I say Westbrook in terms of, you, you know, you're talking about a guard that's just got a big physical stature and he, he's wiry but super athletic. Yeah. Um, what, what, impress, what impresses me about Josh so much, it's, you know, 24 and a half a game, 10 assists. He shoots 50% from the field. So, so he's really efficient. Um, and kids, and young kids ain't efficient. They're not efficient. They're not no, at they're, all. Right? They, but they're more volume. Correct. Shooters than anything else. Correct. So there are two guys as we, as we wrap it up that, that I think, um, need to have, Good tournaments. Now they're, they're, they're on a watch list. They'll probably both be lottery picks, but I think they could really solidify kind of who they would be at the next level. One is, uh, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. Okay. Uh, the other is Nasir Little from North Carolina. They're similar. I see them as that two way NBA player, right? Like DeAndre Hunter, 6'8, 225, seven foot wingspan, big shoulders, kind of reminds you of Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, will go down low if he needs to, can really rebound the ball, but can face up. Knock down a jump shot, uh, give you a little bit off the pull up mid range game. Uh, he was injured last year, didn't really get a chance to shine on the big stage in the tournament. Yep. I think if he comes out and puts a stamp on it this year and UVA can get over some of the hurdles that they've had in the they tournament. Score enough. I don't know, but this is the most opened up Tony Bennett offense that I've seen. I think he really has learned from his teams in the past that could not score at all. Yes. This is their best offense that they've had during this stretch of like UVA resurgence basketball. And then Nasir is a, I mean, he's coming off the bench for North Carolina. He's another one, six six two twenty seven one wingspan, super athletic. Um, doesn't have the numbers like nine and a half uh, and, and and five rebounds, but he plays behind Luke uh, Luke May. Okay, yeah, uh, who's a senior, and the the minutes just aren't necessarily there on a really good North Carolina team. But if he comes out and will put a stamp on 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 the NCAA tournament with energy and athletic ability, and just give those scouts something to, to say, yeah, we, we remember that. Yep. Like, we, that's what we thought was always there. Uh, he could go a long way for, for, uh, his, his draft status. Quick question. Do uh, they, status as well. Do they have to win or they just need big games in the tournament? No, I think, I think that they need a sample size of games in the tournament. Okay. So they need to win a few, right? Like, I gotta see it once. 
then I'm going to buy a plane ticket out to see it in person the next time. Okay. Right? So I'm going to need you to play two, three games, three games probably in the NCAA tournament for me to, uh, for me to be bought in on that. I get it. NTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I want to ask you, because you do have experience you yourself weren't a Cinderella. I mean, obviously, <laughs> the mighty UConn. My first year, we could have been. We had a terrible, terrible uh, year that year. All right, but okay. So let's talk about though your 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 deep runs into the tournament and some of the Cinderellas you may have played against. Because in '98, you went up against a Washington team uh, that had Donald Watts, and you were saying uh, Todd McCullough, the Big yes. Dipper. I played with him in Philly. Um, and then '99, you played against Gonzaga, and you couldn't really even reference who was on that team. Uh, talk to me first about maybe pressure that the higher seed feels when they find themselves in a game with the Cinderella type of team? Well, you don't want the Cinderella team. You don't want to be the team that loses to a Cinderella team. Right. And we had Jim Calhoun and one of the best coaches in the, in the country. And coach would always harp on just paying attention to detail. Because, you know, a lot of times when you play at a Cinderella team, sometimes you really ain't got to pay attention to detail because you look at your talent versus their talent and you got the better players and you feel like, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk coming out and, and, and just coming out and getting a win. But going against that Washington team, I can I can always remember Calhoun. We're just trying our best to try to get Calhoun to his first Final Four game. Like, he ain't never been to a Final Four game. Okay, so it's motivation. Now. Motivation. We had great teams in Connecticut, Ray Allen's team the, a couple years before. And we said to ourselves, like, this is our stage. We don't want to get upset. And we almost did against that Washington team. They came out playing great. They had Todd McCullough. Was that when you hit the shot? That's when I hit the shot, okay. yes. But it was a dogfight. It was a grind because a lot of times you ain't never seen that team before. They were a West Coast team. We're East Coast team. We never played against them. And the only time you get to scout them is when you know you're going to play them. How much scouting report do you get in a tournament setting like that? How, how in-depth do you get into what they do? Well, you do. I mean, I think the coaching the coaching staff does a great job of, you know, if you're a guard, he gives us a whole pack of about this thick about all the guys' tendencies. So you were getting in-depth even uh, at the college level. Absolutely, if you want to win a national championship. You right. can't go out there and kind of be surprised. Probably why we never made the tournament. <laughs> I'm saying, I don't hey, know we didn't get hey, it. Right. Hey, maybe, maybe you know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but uh it's it's a situation where you really got to pay attention to detail. You got to take away, you know, uh the the offense, uh whoever you're playing against their strengths. And a lot of times teams don't have enough time to really sit there and focus on other teams cuz a lot of times coaches say, "All right, you know what? We go out there, we worried about ourselves and we'll figure it out and let the chips pretty much fall." Right. But going against that Washington team, we came all the way down to the final shot, which if I would have missed then we would have been talking about them making a, a, a Final Four run. So I just think that 
the level of competition, especially when you get deeper in the tournament, these Cinderella teams gets momentum and gets fans behind them. Right. Sometimes they just ride that wave. So yeah. you want to kind of try to take their confidence uh, away, especially early in the game. I got you. So let's talk about a couple teams that might have Cinderella potential this year. You're talking about, uh, first up, you got the Oregon Ducks that stick out to me. Uh, obviously they, they lost bowl bowl earlier in the season, uh, but they've really rebounded nicely. They're 23 and 12. Uh, they've won eight straight games. Their defense has really keyed that. They've held opponents to 54 points per game uh, along the streak. Do you think that they have potential to be uh, a Cinderella as much as I do? And then what's more important in the tournament, to be hot offensively or to be locked down solid defensively if you're a Cinderella team? To be hot offensively. you got to get buckets. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you want to play great defense. And I think Baylor has probably, you know, arguably one of the best shot blockers. Even though Bo Bo went out, they still got another young kid that's coming out there blocking – yeah. Everything out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. So I look at it as if your guards can get hot and you can play fast and you know, it's the tournament. You got to be a little lucky, right? Yeah, true. You got to be a little lucky. So, but I think that if, if, if a team could come out there and score a lot of points, it's just hard for a defensive team to kind of stay in that game, but you still got to be solid defensively. Okay. Let's talk about another team that I, I don't even know. I mean, I guess you could call them a Cinderella, but they've had success. They were a Sweet 16 team last year. A lot of people have kind of written them off. They're in a monster a monster region. That's Nevada. That's the Wolfpack under Coach Eric Musselman. Yep. Uh, and they do have really good, a really good mix of uh, of of older players with some youth. They've got the two, uh, Kobe, Cody and Caleb Martin. They're, twins. they're yeah, the twins yeah. are really good. They've got, uh, you know, Jordan Caroline. He's like 45 double doubles the most in, in, uh, Mountain West history. Uh, do you think this team is primed, regardless of the region that they found themselves in, uh, to make another run to maybe Sweet 16? Could they take it a step further with Elite Eight this year, Final Four, maybe? I think so, man. I love Nevada. I love, like I said, I'm, I'm a guy that love guards. And with the twins, they've been there before. Right. They're confident. They're, they're, they're flamboyant. They come out with the swag that, hey, you know. They are swagged out. They are dripping. They come yes. out like, hey, you know what? We're going to win this game regardless who we play against. And that's great, especially in when you're talking about the NCAA tournament because it's all about your chemistry. Mm -hmm. When you guards are on the same page and you're out there playing at a high level, good things are going to happen for your ball club. Now, when you look at this team, everything is it's about scoring. Everything right. for them is on the offense. And when they're great in their wins, they score 83 points a game. You know, when they're bad, they're scoring in the high 60s. Yeah. So they're not a team that's going to beat you up and out and, and, and win on the defense end. They got to come out here and get buckets. They have to get buckets. I agree with you 100%. And that's my concern with them is can they be consistent? Because there's a huge disparity between their wins. Even field goal percentage and wins is 48 a game. And in their losses, it's 35 yeah. a game. So they got to come out and be consistent. But I tend to agree with you. I actually think that despite the region they're in, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. And they're going to creep their way up maybe to Elite Eight this year. I really love the Martins. I love the veterans on that team. And I do think there's something to be said for having a little bit of swag when you're in a one-and-done scenario. Let's take a look at our brackets. I mean, we've gone, what, it's been two hours? Yeah. And all anyone's probably really wanted to see yeah. was what you got on your bracket. And I changed it a couple times here and oh. there just on a simple fact that all this new information. a lot of information, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, well, you got what? What do we got? Like 45 minutes left for you to still make some more changes, but why don't you show us what you have right now? Okay, so we're going, I'm getting to, to, right to the, to the meat of the thing. Okay. Uh, Elite eight, right? Uh, boom. I got, uh, Duke in the East. Okay. And, uh, Michigan State. I just think Tom Izzo is one of the best coaches in NCAA basketball history. Got to put them up there. Going with Gonzaga. Mm hmm. And, uh, Texas Tech in the West. 
Gonzaga still scares me. I think that they're always great as an underdog, but when they're number one seed, they just when they're the hunted, not the hunter. They just figure a way just to disappoint me all the time. In the South, in my Elite Eight, I'm going with Virginia and Tennessee. That's going to be a great matchup in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, two veteran teams really going at it. And in the Midwest, in my Elite Eight, I'm going with North Carolina and Kentucky. Hopefully, PJ will be healthy and be ready to rock and roll for that game. So, uh, take it'll us. be some big matchups. All right, take, won't well, take us to the Final Four then. You, you set us up with the Elite Eight. Where you, who you got advancing out of Duke and Michigan State? I'm going with Duke. I'm going with Zion. Okay. Maybe Zion. The, I mean, is it okay yeah, for me to say that? Not yeah, just Duke, go with Zion. Yeah, okay. I think that's appropriate at this okay. point. Going with Duke over. Uh-huh. Uh, in the West, I got Texas Tech coming Ooh. out. Yes, they got a top five kid in the draft on that team. I think that they're going, they're going to come out and beat Gonzaga in that game. Okay. Uh, UNC and Kentucky, that game kind of like, could have went either way, yeah, but I'm bloods. going with the veterans of UNC mm-hmm. and uh Coach Roy Williams. I just think that, you know, they're always playing the right way, yep. especially during this time of the year. And then Virginia and Texas, two defensive teams, really hard-nosed, really going to go at it. Yeah. But I'm going with Tennessee. Oh, word. Yes. Okay, Tennessee yes. with the upset. Okay, and then Final advancing. Yeah. yeah, I got Duke and te- Texas matching up. I'm going with Duke. Uh Tennessee and UNC matching up. I'm going with Tennessee. Uh, national uh, Look, national championship. I want to go with Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to win, but stop. You don't get to do that. I, you can't do that. I can't do that. No, you got it. Who do you have? I have to pick it. You don't get to say, I think this team's going to win, but I'm taking the other team. Team I like, though. All right. But it's just too much Zion. I think TV, you know, every time you turn the TV on, yeah. you see Zion, uh, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish. I'm going with Duke Blue Devil. Hey, listen. I, Zion, Zion made it cool to like Duke. Yeah, he did. Just, just like, to put listen, that out think there. Think about that. Put that in person. Like, if you didn't go to Duke. Yes. You probably hated Duke. I hated Duke. And there was nothing that you could do to make someone cheer for Duke. It didn't matter who played there. You never cheer for Duke. That was a celebrated day. When Duke oh lost goodness. in the NCAA tournament, people celebrated. And, and now Zion, everybody loves Duke. Now I'm like me. turning on the TV and I'm like, is Duke playing? Correct. Zion playing? Correct. Oh, they ain't playing. I'm turning the channel. That's incredible. All right. Let me, let me take <laughs> who you. Who you got? Let me take you to my Elite Eight. So I'm going to go Duke also. Mine's kind of chalky. Um, but I'd say that. And then the next breath I tell you that LSU is, to LSU is square enough with Duke. I don't think that the Will Wade thing is going to have that much impact on them. I think that they're a really good team. They're going to circle the wagons, I think, and they're going to make a good push into this NCAA tournament. You were just talking about the kid that you love from that team. Did they give you his name? Yeah, Tremont Waiters. Okay. Oh, he's a great point guard, lead scorer for that ball club. Yeah. He's he's nice. He's special. He he can go. All right, so I'll take them. I'm going to take Gonzaga. Um, You know, I think they're primed. I'm not buying into the whole St. Mary's thing at the end of the season. They were one of – a few teams to beat Duke on a neutral court this year. They were without one of their better players. He is he is back. So I like Gonzaga there, even if even though I think Florida State has some value. I don't like Florida State. Um, at all. I'm and put that out there. You know, I know, I know. At you, all. Every time I say it, at all. You, you, and you, I'm not going to tell the people why. But okay, I just don't. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> anything with recruiting or no? Uh, another story, another time. Yes, yes. Um, so here's Michigan I have penciled in, and I'm kind of regretting that. I think I should have went with Nevada, but I'm going to keep Michigan in my Elite Eight there. Over to the south, I've got Virginia and Tony Bennett, best basketball and or best offense they played in a long time. Oregon um, advancing uh, to the Elite Eight up there with Villanova Oregon. and Tennessee. Um, down at the bottom in the Midwest, I've got North Carolina and Auburn. And then I've got Iowa State, who is hot right now. The kid Shayok, I forget his first name, but he's been playing really well. They played great in the Big 12 championships. Um, and then Kentucky. Um, and so breaking down my final four, I've got Duke beating LSU. 
Uh, I've got Gonzaga getting through that stage where you didn't think they would advance, and I've got them advancing. I think UVA uh, is going to beat Oregon, and then wait, no, UVA is going to beat Tennessee. Sorry, and then I've got um, Kentucky in a knockdown dragout with North Carolina battle of the Blue Bloods. I don't know why I just had to pick one. Okay, um, I've got Duke beating Gonzaga to get to the final. I've got Kentucky advancing past UVA, and the eventual winner is Duke. Or Zion and company, whatever you want to call them, I think they are destined. Bandwagon like me, huh? Bandwagon like you. Bandwagon. Very chalky, and uh, <laughs> that's what you guys waited for. We gave it to you. 